0: to begin today, I have a question for all of you. Um, When someone gives you a compliment, how do you usually respond? So just think about it. Do you say thank you? Do you deflect it quickly? No, 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 that's not true. Or do you talk about the other person as quickly as possible? You know, like, quick, let's give you a compliment in return, right? That's very Minnesotan, by the way, just to pass that on. Or how about this? How... How many of you have ever been eavesdropping either on purpose or accidentally and heard someone say something really awesome about you, right? Or, or maybe somebody hit reply all accidentally on an email chain and instead of complaining about you, which is what we kind of expect to have happen, you, they just wax poetic about how great you are. So my question now is, which one do you prefer? Would you prefer a compliment to your face? or one that you accidentally overhear. I have this hypothesis that indirect compliments are actually, we prefer them. We prefer them because, I'm not sure, maybe uh, we don't trust a compliment to our face, or we think someone's just being nice because they kind of have to, right? So they have to say something nice. My friend Jesse and I have started doing this thing where when one of us hears a compliment about the other one from someone else, we tell each other immediately, either take a screenshot or text each other or whatever. We just tell each other right away. Sometimes it's as simple as, oh man, the way Jesse did that thing was so cool or so helpful. Or someone might say, gosh, here's what I really love about Natalia. I know that would take a long time, right? Um, No, no, no. So uh, in this day and age, when criticism so often comes from behind the safety and distance of a screen, it feels like such a gift to share good things too, quickly and without reservation. In today's gospel story, Jesus' disciples get to be in this strange and wonderful position of listening in on a prayer between Jesus and God. A prayer where Jesus tells of his love for the disciples, how they matter. And he tells God all of his hopes and dreams for what is next. Now, as Brent alluded to, this prayer is, admittedly, quite hard to follow. Anybody? Anybody lose the thread as it was going? Yeah, yeah, it's all right. It's wordy and flowery and circular and very, very John. I joked with some clergy friends this week that I was thankful this isn't the prayer we use as the Lord's Prayer because it could be. I mean, it's a prayer of Jesus. Could you imagine? We say, let us pray together the prayer Jesus himself taught us and then we say, I have made your name known to those you gave me in the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they kept your word and now they know that everything you've given me is from you for the words you gave me I've given to them and they've received them and know in truth that I came from you. Could you imagine saying that every week? Woo! All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. God, protect them in your name that you've given me, so they may be as one as we are one. It would be different, for sure, for sure. This prayer is a part of the farewell discourse, a moment that chronologically in the gospel steps us back a little bit, but is chosen for this particular Sunday in the lectionary because it is the Sunday between Ascension and Pentecost. In this part of John's Gospel, Jesus is about to be killed. In the church calendar, Jesus is about to leave the disciples for good. For the purposes of this particular prayer, it doesn't matter so much what is happening chronologically, but that the bottom line is Jesus is telling his disciples that he's leaving. He knows what is coming, and. He could use this time and this prayer for literally anything, anything. And in John's gospel, in this moment, what he does is pray for his disciples. I am just gobsmacked by this. If I knew I was about to die, I don't, I don't know if I have the selflessness in me <laughs> to pray for someone else instead of myself. As author Debbie Thomas says, asking is the last thing he does before his arrest the last tender memory he gives his friends. He didn't awe them with a grand finale of miracles. Neither did he contemplate their futures and despair. He looked up to heaven with a trembling heart and surrendered his most cherished ones to God. Three close years together created such deep and meaningful relationships he named out loud these experiences he had had with his loved ones. He reminded them that they matter to him and to God. He expressed his love, his yearning for them to know this love at their very core. And he acknowledged the hard reality that he will not be there to keep loving them up close, but that he trusted God would not leave them alone and he did it all while he knew they could hear him. Can you imagine how this felt for the disciples within hearing? It feels intimate and vulnerable and powerful and beautiful and maybe while sitting in this gospel this week, I've changed my mind a little about not wanting this to be our Lord's Prayer. You got to watch that happen in real time, everybody. As per usual, the question I ask, that we all ask when we read these gospel lessons is, why does it matter now? What does this have to do with us today in this place? And as much as I might have changed my mind and want it to be the official Lord's Prayer, this isn't the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. But this is still a place where we can learn more about prayer by how Jesus prays, who he prays for, and what is happening when he prays. One of the questions that pastors get a lot is, why do we pray? What's the point of it? Why do we do this? Who do I pray for? How do I pray? We have quite a prayer here in front of us for answering some of these questions. Jesus is teaching us how to pray for each other. How to be struggling with the unknown and the fear and the grief and loss and just have a moment to talk to God and somehow be selfless enough to use it for someone else. Again, author Debbie Thomas writes about the power of Jesus, the the Son of God, being the one to pray in this way. She says, How surprising is it that God incarnate spends the final moments in humble supplication on their behalf? Knowing full well the trials and terrors that lie ahead, he prays into their uncertainty. He hopes into doubt. He trusts into danger. I am asking, he says. As if to say, I don't know what you will do with my asking. I don't know how or when or if you will answer this prayer. I can't force your hand. But I am staking my life and the lives of my loved ones on your goodness because there is literally nothing more I can do on my own. I have come to the end of what this love of mine can hold and guard and save, so I am asking. This feels very relevant to me right now. I have come to the end of what this love of mine can hold and guard and save. Maybe this feels really true to you too, What does it mean to pray into uncertainty? Because we feel some uncertainty. What does it mean to pray hope into doubt? Because I don't know about you, but I got, I got some doubts. What does it mean to pray trust into danger? Because the world does not feel safer right now. Like the disciples, I am also struggling about what comes next how we move into what's next. I have the privilege and honor to be a witness to these fears and doubts and struggles of many in and outside of this community. Praying hope into doubt or trust into danger seems like a huge, huge ask. But I believe in this prayer. I believe Jesus has taught us not to pray for ourselves, but to others to not have to know how it happens or how God will work or if God will answer the prayer the way we ask it. None of these are requirements for just doing it. You don't have to know anything at all to pray a hope and a dream for someone else. You don't have to believe a specific thing to do that either. Jesus' prayer in front of his disciples is raw, and rambling, and imperfect, and honestly, it sounds a lot like many of my prayers. Just a word salad thrown together at God. Full of love and trust, but not sure of much else. I have learned to love this prayer of Jesus because while it lacks so much of the structure and confidence of the Lord's Prayer, it feels honest and familiar. There were unknowns for the disciples, there are unknowns for us. There was fear and confusion for the disciples, there is fear and confusion for us. What comes next? What will we do? Who will we become? And also, Jesus speaks words of love and inclusion for the disciples and there are still those words for us. Jesus speaks a promise of something more for the disciples, and there is still also that promise for us. You are mine, Jesus says. You have always been mine. You are loved. You will always be loved. You're not alone. You will never be alone. Now I get our instinct on these kinds of days to run and hide. That's what the disciples did after all. Next week we'll find them hiding in a locked room because Jesus did leave them alone, just like he said they would, just like he said he would and they were too scared to trust in what they had heard and listened in on that prayer and I get it. I get it and super appreciate it. I get that, I appreciate that the disciples represent my most honest instinct. Change is hard and scary and I'd rather hide in my room. Thank you. So as we're in what feels like the millionth moment, full of changes and shifts and fear, I get this instinct to hide. To pretend we can go back to the way things were or pretend like nothing needs to change at all. But instead, I'd like us to consider what it might look like to go out into the world as if we had just listened in on Jesus reminding us who we are. Because that is what just happened. We got to watch Jesus lean in and say, this one, God, this one's special. And he's talking about you. And instead of being scared or turning inward, I wonder if we might Stick with it, with the promise and the call. So as Jesus is telling his disciples he will leave, I want to end with a blessing from Jan Richardson called Stay. It's a reminder of what it means to hear words of promise and stay with it when our instinct is to hide, to stay with each other and to stay with God. by Jan Richardson. I know how your mind rushes ahead trying to fathom what could follow this. What will you do? Where will you go? How will you live? You will want to outrun the grief. You will want to keep turning towards the horizon watching for what was lost to come back to return to you and never leave again. For now Hear me when I say, all you need to do is to still yourself, is to turn toward one another, is to stay. Wait and see. See what comes to fill the gaping hole in your chest. Wait with your hands open to receive what could never come except to what is empty and hollow. You cannot know it now, cannot even imagine what lies ahead. But I tell you, the day is coming when breath will fill your lungs as it had never has before. And with your own ears, you will hear the words coming to you new and startling. You will dream dreams and you will see the world ablaze with blessing. Wait for it. Still yourself and stay. Amen. So I just want to remind you that uh, no matter if you stick with the promise you just heard or you run and hide in your room, this is a part of the farewell discourse. Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm leaving, yes, but God will not leave you alone. I will not leave you alone. And next week is Pentecost, and we get the reminder that we are given an advocate. The Spirit of God comes to be with us, and that Spirit finds you wherever you are. If you are hiding in your room, which is an instinct I appreciate, the Spirit finds you there. And if you stick with the promise and you stay out in the world doing the work that God has called you to do, the Spirit finds you there as well. So a reminder on this day that you are loved. You have always been loved. You are gods. You have always been gods. You are not alone. You will never be alone. You have been fed, and now you are sent to go in peace, to love and serve the Lord.